A comedian once said, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is we've lost the key to the secrets of the universe. The good news is the door isn't locked. Beginning the last week of February and throughout the month of March, um, we've begun to walk through that unlocked door. And we've started to explore by looking at 10 Secrets for Success and Inner Peace by Wayne Dyer. Um, And we've kind of inspired these talks from that. So if you've been looking for the key to the secrets of the universe, you can stop looking and walk with us through those open doors each week as we examine and take a closer look at some of the secrets Dyer revealed. So far, we've looked at secret one, which is to be open at the top by beginning to think outside the box. And secret two was don't die with your music still in you. Quit trying to figure out what your music is and listen to your heart to find it. And then put your fear about expressing it onto the shelf. And as Nike says, just do it. And last week we looked at secrets three and four. Secret three was you can't give away what you don't have. We became aware of what happens when we're squeezed. Reverend Terry used the analogy of squeezing an orange. When you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. It doesn't matter who or what or how that orange is being squeezed. It's always orange juice. And we asked ourselves, when something or someone squeezes us, when something in some way, when life puts pressure on us or someone says something unflattering or critical, what comes out? If anger, frustration, bitterness, resentment, tension depression, et cetera, et cetera. If those come out, then that's what was inside. When life gets tough, if the negative comes out, that's what you're holding on to. And we began to change that by engaging secret four, which was to embrace the silence, to connect with the God self that you are. Today we look at secrets five and six, and I've encapsulated those two secrets in the title, Let Go and Lift Up. The letting go part of the title relates to secret five, and the lifting up relates to secret six. So let's look at letting go. How many of you have ever been in a speedboat? Okay. Anyone ever skied behind a speedboat? Okay, what is it that inexperienced skiers have such trouble with? What is it that they struggle with besides standing up? It's the wake. It's the very same thing that experienced skiers use as a tool to enhance their skiing experience. And you were right, by the way. Getting up is the hard part. I tried it. I tried it, and you're supposed to lean back and put your skis out of the water and hold onto the handle. And I went face down. And I did that three or four times until my sinuses were thoroughly irrigated, and I never tried to ski again. It was not necessary. But see, the wake, that thing which is the struggle that I didn't get to encounter that day because I I never got up. Um, That's what we call the trail that we leave behind. So if I were to ask you the question, who's driving the boat, would anyone answer the wake? Probably not. Because obviously that which trails behind the boat cannot drive it. In Wayne Dyer's fifth secret, which I've called Letting Go, and um, which he entitled... Give up your personal history. He invites us to take a look at our history like we look at the wake of a boat. Our history is nothing more than a trail that's left behind us. Therefore, it's 
absolutely impossible for that history, that trail, to drive us forward. That's a really important concept here, so I'm going to say it again, because I had to really think about it as I was putting it on the page. Our history is nothing more than the trail that is left behind us. Therefore, it is absolutely impossible for that history, that trail, to drive us forward. Our history is not in any logical way responsible for what we are experiencing or failing to experience today. Our history is exactly the same as the wake on a boat, a trail that we've left behind. But this morning's big question is, have you? Have you left your history behind? Wayne Dyer writes, and I'm going to give a trigger warning here because he touches on some really sensitive subjects in a very direct way, but I can't, I can't quote him without doing it verbatim, as is the nature of a quote. Um, so just be aware, I know they're there, and if it upsets you, I apologize in advance. What he said was this, for well over a quarter of a century now, I've worked with people to help them access higher levels of awareness. It's my experience that most people live their lives in the wake by hanging on to personal histories to justify their self-defeating behaviors and the scarcity in their lives. They hang on to past pains, abuses, and shortcomings as calling cards to announce a poor me status to everyone they meet within minutes of their introduction. I was abandoned as a child. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an incest survivor. My parents were divorced, and I've never gotten over it. The list can go on for hundreds of pages. But here's a newsflash. The past is over. By using past struggles as the reasons for not getting on with your life today, you're doing the equivalent of attributing to the wake the ability to drive the boat. So... If we know that we exist in a universe that's an intelligent system with a divine creative force supporting it, there simply can be no accidents. As tough as it is to acknowledge, you and I had to go through exactly what we went through in order to get to where we are today. And I know several of you out there have shared your personal stories about some of those struggles with me, and you've come to that same wise conclusion, and you tend to shout it from the rooftops because it's pretty cool when you get there. But you acknowledge you had to go through some of that yucky stuff in order to be where you are. Those dark times, those accidents, those tough episodes, those periods of impoverishment, illnesses, abuses, broken dreams, mistakes, loss, whatever they were, whether they were imposed by others or self-imposed, they were all in order. And like it or not, they happened. You can't unhappen them. Embrace them from that perspective with the help of someone you trust if you have to. And then understand them, accept them, honor them, bless them, and finally retire them and or transform them in your own way. In other words, let them go. One way that we stay stuck with our negative history is by accepting the labels that have been placed on us by ourselves and by others. Many of us grew up with the generic label 
that you could sum up as not enough. Not attractive enough, not smart enough, not athletic enough, not tall enough, not educated enough, not smart enough, not rich enough, not cool enough, not anything that you can fill it with. Enough. Some of these labels we inherited from others. Some we created by comparing ourselves with others. And some labels come from the belief that no one in our family has done or can do whatever the accomplishment is that we're shying away from, that we're avoiding. It's the thought that everyone in our family is blank, or everyone in our family cannot, thereby defining what we can or cannot, or should or should not do with our lives. Thomas Merton, if you don't know about Thomas Merton, um, he was an American Trappist monk. He was also a mystic and a poet and an extremely prolific author. He wrote more than 50 books in a 27-year period. That is a lot of writing. I'm, I have not finished one yet. I've gotten pretty, pretty, pretty close to three-quarters of the way through one, but that's it. Um, Now, he's a Trappist monk, and the Trappists come from um, a more strict branch of the Benedictines of the Roman Catholic Church. Those are the monks that follow the teachings of St. Benedict. Um, And what he said was, others can give you a name or a number, but they can never tell you who you really are. That is something you must discover from within. It's an empowering moment when we realize that many of the labels that we've worn, whether they're labels others have placed on us or which we've come to accept, um, or labels that we've put on ourselves, they aren't the truth about us. And it's equally empowering to realize that we have complete control over removing those labels. I want to share this um, from a book called A Random Harvest by James Elwood Connor. He said... And this story gets me, so fair warning. The students in a rural school in Arkansas consisted mainly of poor, underachieving African-American children. And thanks to a Rockefeller Foundation grant called Chapter One, first graders had an opportunity to participate in a reading program that rewarded their successes. After children completed, successfully completed a book, they were rewarded by being able to take books and cassette tapes, remember those? Cassette tapes and a Walkman home over the weekend, thus providing additional reinforcement. The agreement was that the children would return all of those items, the books, the tapes, and the Walkmans they took home on Monday. And when Friday rolled around, a little girl named Nicole left the school clutching a couple of books and some tapes and the Walkman. But on Monday, Nicole failed to bring the books and tapes back to school. And every day, she either said that she forgot or didn't offer any excuse at all. And the teacher knew this wasn't at all like Nicole. Something was wrong. Three weeks passed, and still no books or tapes were returned. So one day, Nicole's very young mother, dressed in a fast food worker's uniform, came to the school and asked to talk outside with the reading teacher. And clutching the books and tapes and Walkman, Nicole's mother told the teacher that she wanted to explain why Nicole hadn't returned them as promised. Nicole wasn't to be blamed. She was. She said, 
when Nicole came home and told me she was learning to read, I didn't believe her. Nobody in my family can read. My, my daddy and mama can't read. My other brothers and sisters can't read. And I can't read. I had to quit school. I gave up any hope of ever learning how to read. When Nicole brought this book home and read it to me, I asked her how she learned to do it. And Nicole said, it's easy, Mama. Just listen to the tape and follow along in the book with whatever the teacher reads. If I need to, I just keep listening and reading along with the teacher until I can read it all by myself. You can do it too, Mama. I didn't believe Nicole, but I knew I had to try. The reason that Nicole didn't bring her reading stuff back to school was because I just couldn't let go of it. I had to find out if I could learn to read like my little girl. And after a short pause, she said to the teacher, can I read to you? And here it goes. (sighs) There on the steps of her child's school, this very young mother, a child who herself had a child, she began to read the book to her teacher. All the while, tears streamed down the mother's cheeks. And in this intense moment, the teacher also began to cry. And anyone seeing the two would surely have thought that something tragic had happened. How could anyone know that their tears were actually being shed over the birth of unrealized God-given potentiality? Then sitting a bit taller, that young mother announced proudly that she, someone who'd come to accept beyond all doubt that she was just too dumb to learn how to read. She had actually done the impossible. She could now read. The spiritual truth is that we are not our history and we are not our labels. Underneath all of the labels and beyond all of the history, who are you really? In truth, who you are and who you have always, always been is an individualized expression of God. This is not an opinion. It's the truth. In other words, knowing you are one with the infinite means you are enough now. And because of that, because of that knowing, you deserve to have success and inner peace. And may I just add, you've always been so much more than just enough. And if you don't believe me, let's get together and talk for a while. I think you'll see it. Okay, that was, that was all some pretty heavy and emotional stuff, right? I truly do not aim to cry when I'm up here. I just find these stories, and they touch me. And then somehow, when I say them out loud, my brain forgets that I already know what's coming, and I start crying all over again. So I don't know what that is. We're going we're gonna to lighten things up a little. And I love this one, and you may have heard it before, but it fit really well with the point I'm heading towards, so I decided to use it. The Pope is going on an overseas trip, and a limo driver picks him up, loads all of his cases into the trunk, and then he's about to leave when he notices the Pope still standing on the sidewalk with his arms crossed. Your eminence, you you must get in or we'll be late, he says. The Pope replies, actually, I'd like to drive. They never let me drive at the Vatican. The driver, suddenly wishing he'd called in sick that day, he says, but your eminence, it is my great honor to drive you. And besides, it's my job. I'll get in big trouble if I don't do it. And the Pope replies, I really want to drive, and there might be something extra in it for you. The driver gives up, climbs into the back seat. Who can argue with the Pope, right? 
and he lets the Pope drive. And the Pope immediately floors it. He is going 150 miles an hour like this. And this, of course, attracts the attention of a police officer in a patrol car who immediately pursues them. And the Pope pulls over, rolls down the window as the police officer walks up and looks in the window. The officer freezes, and he stammers, uh, excuse me, I got, I got to call the chief. And he gets on the radio, and he says, chief, I've pulled this guy over doing 150 in a 60 zone. Bless you. So book him, the chief says. Uh, I think he's really important, the officer replies. All the more reason to book him. You don't understand. He's really important. Is it the governor? No. The president? No. Well, who then? Um, I think it must be God because he's got the Pope driving him around. <laughs> the truth about you is that you are God in expression. Remember what it says in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis, that God made man in his own image. I believe that's 127, right? Genesis 1, verse 27. Um, what a lot of people may not realize is that that's not the only place in the Bible that that concept appears. In fact, that message is echoed throughout both the Old and New Testament. And it's said in different ways over and over again. If you look it up, you can find references to it in, of course, Genesis. You've got 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Hebrews, Peter, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm trying to remember them without cheating. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Acts, Daniel, twice in Romans, and over and over and over again in the Gospel according to John. And those are just the biblical references of that concept. Because you don't want to get me started on all the ways that it is echoed throughout the great many other faith traditions of the world, because we'd be here all day. But my point is, when I say that you are God in expression, it's not just some catchy inspirational line. It's not a gimmick. It's a fundamental foundation it's a principle in the myriad beliefs throughout all of humankind since the dawn of time. No matter who you are, no matter what your life experience has been thus far, no matter what you have or have not believed about yourself or about God or about anything else, you are God in expression. Let your history, your labels, your limiting beliefs about yourself go by recognizing that it was all needed to get you to this realization I'm talking about. Then consciously choose to leave it all behind because you know it will not drive your boat forward and move forward from this day forward, letting higher truth drive your boat by embracing the sixth secret, the concept of which I am calling lifting up. Albert Einstein said, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking that created them. Or as Henry Ford said, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. Uh, Dyer's Secret Six says you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. From the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, one of my favorites, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Ernest Holmes, he said, there's a power of good in the universe greater than we are, and we can use it. 
Michael Beckwith's take on that was, there's a powerful, uh, power for good in the universe greater than we are, and it can use us. And our spin on that was, there's a power for good within us that's greater than we realize, and it is expressing as us. As we change our minds about circumstances or appearances, we change our attitude toward ourselves and reconcile with the truth of our connectedness with God. And we begin to allow that power for good to express as us. We rewrite our agreement with reality. We turn the problem over to our higher self, and we trust that the problem is not what it appears to be. We trust that God is good. When? All the time. Just as it's difficult for us to find our spiritual truth when we drag our old history and labels around with us, it's equally difficult to address the issues and challenges in our lives when we use old, outmoded methods of perceiving and judging the events. Frank Lloyd Wright once said, the truth is more important than the facts. That takes a second. The truth is more important than the facts. Facts may be convincing, but they don't always depict the truth. It's our human tendency to rush to conclusions and make decisions based on what appear to be the facts, rather than lifting up to the higher truth. As a simple example, um, fact. If it's cloudy outside, we say there's no sun. But the truth is, there is sun even when we can't see it. And the same principle holds true from a spiritual perspective. The fact might be that we feel isolated and all alone, stuck in the middle of some challenge we may be having. Things may look gloomy and we can't see the good in the situation, but the truth is God is present at the center and circumference of our experience. However, like the sun... God's presence may appear to be covered by the circumstances, or we could say God's presence may appear to be covered by the facts, but really God is 100% there. We're so caught up in the facts that the truth is obscured. God is always there, closer than our very breath. Now, if you've been here for a while, you know that there are specific lines from the science of mind, which I I kind of live from, and they, they seem to take on a deeper meaning as I journey through life, and then they get bigger. And one of those for me is uh, to the one who can perfectly practice in action, all things are possible. That is one that I, I chant it. It keeps, me, it keeps me from doing that thing we talked about in the meditation and reacting. Um, but another line I turn to throughout every day and every experience is, Lead me ever onto paths of perfection and cause me to see only the good. You might remember a little reader's theater play that we did here a few months back from a now out-of-print book called Your Aladdin's Lamp about a guy named Julius Podholtz. What happened when Julius saw only the good? Only the good came to him in greater and greater quantities. So play along with me this week. Lift up. And see only the good in everything, in every situation. Refuse to let yourself think a negative thought about anything or anyone, including yourself. So see, see good in the world situation. See good in a checkbook whose balance may be dwindling. See good in an illness. See good in a body that you may usually judge harshly or negatively. See good 
in that coworker who usually drives you nuts. Smile. Speak only words of cheer. You get the picture? And I have a deal for you. If you can honestly tell me that you did this for the next seven days, that you stuck with it and you saw only the good and you did not have a profound shift in the way that life works for you, I'll give you a reward just as Dr. Hornaday did for Julius. Because when we choose to renew our minds, we're consciously aligning our thought with the universal truth and thereby creating new experiences. When we let go of our old beliefs, like this, I knew I'd get some mileage out of this. We let go of these old beliefs, we're consciously aligning with the goodness God intended, leading to a truly transformed life. And just so you know, I didn't cheat. Ain't nothing in there. See? I see you. I see God in you. So let it be. And so it is.